Every single one of us was in, and, and we deserved hell. You say, I, I didn't have 99 years on my... No, you still deserved hell. Every single one of us. The Bible says in Jonah, chapter number 1, verse number 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. When I saw this testimony, I began to, to, my mind flooded back to this portion of Scripture because I, I picture the roughest of the rough, those who were doing things that were unacceptable. And as you go and you watch the documentary that he put out and that he was a part of, you begin to see that he was describing things. You say, man, this was a rough guy. I've seen some, some guys who were, 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 were rough and were men's men and were those who you couldn't break. And man can't break man, but God can always break through. And I've seen men who, who had never cried before all of a sudden be broken with tears down their eyes because of Jesus. I've seen men who, who as you look at that testimony right there, and there's testimony after testimony of men who were, were the roughest of the rough, and the crowd was difficult, and those were, were, were scary people. But then you come in contact with them, and you tell them about Jesus, and watch what Jesus can do to their lives. Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh. We love to give Jonah a hard time, don't we? We love to, to tell this story. Kids love this story, and, and scholars like to discredit this story, saying it couldn't be. Yet just a few months ago, I believe there was a man who came out and said that he got swallowed by a whale, so now all the scholars are saying, well, I guess it could be. If you just stick to the Word, you'd find out a lot of things don't make sense, but that's okay, have faith. And as you find in the Word of God, in the book of Jonah, as you come to this portion of Scripture, you're introduced to a man. This man was the man by the name of Jonah. Through Jonah, God wanted to send revival to Nineveh, and Nineveh wasn't a place that Jonah thought deserved revival, if you would. Later on in this book of the Bible, you'll find that as he goes, and you're familiar with this, Jonah is told to go. He tells God no at first. And then all of a sudden he's swallowed up by a fish and as he's swallowed up by that fish and then he's spit out on the land, he ends up going and he begins to, to, to tell those, the Ninevites if you would, the warning that he was supposed to deliver to them in the first place. And as he is delivering that, an entire revival breaks out and every single one of them gets saved and repents and, and you find all of a sudden that Jonah, instead of being pleased with this, begins to get upset. And one of the things that he says, very simply to summarize right now, we'll read the scripture here in a minute. He says, I knew you would do this. You're too merciful. You're gracious. You're a merciful God. I knew this would be the case. And so Jonah, understanding all of what Nineveh was and what it represented and all the things that would come with them repenting and the revival that would take place, was not pleased. You see, not only this man by the name of Jonah, as the Bible says, the son of Amittai, but you also see the mission field being this place, Nineveh, if you would. The Bible says in verse number 2, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. You also see not only the mission field, but you see his message. His message was clear. as He was supposed to cry out against it. And as he is told to go and cry out against it, he's going to cry out against it, and God's judgment, if you would... As you think about this portion of Scripture, there are probably many things that are running through your mind. This book of the Bible could be preached for months on end. There's so much in the beginning of the book of Jonah and all throughout the book of Jonah as you close out the book of Jonah. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, if you would, my books of the Bible as you study this, and many of the children love this book of the Bible. And this morning as we come through, we're going to preach through the entire book of Jonah, all four chapters if you would. 
Because in all four chapters, you find that Jonah is found in a different position. I believe each of us tonight or this morning, if we're being honest with ourselves, find ourselves in one of the four positions that Jonah is found in. And we're going to get right into it here in just a few moments. But before we do, let me ask you, and I'm going to give you the four positions now, and I want you to really think on these things. I don't want you to, to, to try to find these, these four positions. I want them to be so clear. The first position that we'll find here in just a moment is that he was found sleeping. He was found sleeping. Now, in a few moments, I'll let you know exactly what we find concerning that position of him sleeping. But we also find that he was not only sleeping in chapter number one, but in chapter number two, he's found praying, if you would. Chapter number three, he's found preaching. And in chapter number four, he's found pouting. You see, I believe every single one of us are found in one of those four positions right there. This morning, you've come to the house of God, I believe you're in the right place. I believe you decided and you've made the right decision. But if you were to to find yourself in one of these four positions, I pray that it would be that you just honest with yourself. You say, well, I pray that I'm in the preaching position, that I'm proclaiming the God. No, I I want you to be honest with yourself. I don't want you to lie to yourself. If you're not in that place, don't lie to yourself and make you feel as though you are in that place. If you're in the place where you're sleeping then be honest about it. If you're in the place where you find yourself praying and you see what he's praying about and what he's going through and all of these things, then be honest about it. If you see yourself in the place where you're pouting instead of any of those others, then just be honest about it. You see, every single one of us likes to, to define ourselves based upon what other people have to say. But can I share with you, at the end of eternity, at the end of time, whenever we leave this earth and when we go to heaven, it doesn't matter what man has to say, what does God have to say? Right this very moment, you're looking to define yourself based upon what other men or other women say about you. But what does God have to say about you this morning? You see, those other people, those, 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 those individuals that you're defining yourself might say, hey, they're a great Christian, but deep down you know you're about as unfaithful as you can be. You say, but they don't know that. That doesn't matter. God does. You say, well, they, they, say, they, they see me at church. They know that I come to church on Sundays and on Wednesdays. But deep down you know, hey, that's all I'm ever going to give to God. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to sell out. Hey, they don't even know that I don't read my Bible throughout the week. They don't even know that I don't have a, a true personal relationship with the Lord concerning reading my Bible and praying and all these many things. They don't know all of that. But they think that I go to church on Sundays and on Wednesdays and they think that's a great thing. But God knows deeper things. You see... Many times in our lives, we like to to look for the out based upon what people think about us and what the appearance is. What's the Bible tell us when you go and you look at the book of 1 Samuel about David? God looks on the heart. You see, it's so easy for us sometimes to look on the outward appearance and look on the activities. And Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that as you live for the Lord, as you structure your life and all those many things, you're never going to be able to, 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 you know, everyone's not going to know your personal life. I get all that. And that's not the main emphasis of what I've just said. The emphasis is this. God knows. Live a pure life. Live a, a, a honest life. Live a real life if you would. In Jonah chapter number 1, the Bible says in verse number 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto, the, uh, unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. 
But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. And then the mariners were afraid and cried even man, or every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship and into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down in the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. The first thing we see this morning is that he was sleeping, if you would. He was sleeping. Immediately, the book of the Bible here, the book of Jonah, you see that Jonah is woken up and he's given a command to walk to, to Nineveh and to deliver a judgment, if you would, to tell the people that, hey, judgment is coming, you need to get right. And immediately, as he is given the choice, his choice is no, if you would. The Bible tells us in verse number 3 that the Bible says he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so you begin to see that Jonah had this choice. And he had a duty that was to, to be given, a responsibility, if you would. Last week we spoke of those different duties concerning in Scripture that we are given, the responsibilities, if you would. And he was given a responsibility to go. He wasn't given a responsibility to, to, to tell God whether God got it wrong or not. No, God had come to him and given him a word. The word of the Lord had come and said, hey, arise and go. It wasn't Jonah's job to look at the Lord and say, Lord, I think you got this one wrong. No, the Lord doesn't make any mistakes. And can I share with you this morning that God may be working in your own life. God may be working in your own heart. God may be dealing with you, either telling you to arise and go or to do something specific. And you're looking at God saying, God, you've got it wrong this time. Can I share with you that God doesn't get things wrong and he doesn't get things wrong with you either. We look at Scripture and we get so excited about all of those things that God is doing. The same God that was doing those is the same God that's doing things today. The Bible tells us right here that he was found fast asleep. Can I share with you the first three verses? It's very interesting. I'm going to need one of you boys real quick. You come on up here for me real quick, all right? Because in verses 1 through 3, you see the word of the Lord come. And as you begin to read this portion of scripture, the Bible says, arise and go. And some of you know what I'm talking about here. Whenever you, you come to uh, this, this time, whenever in verse number three, the Bible, I mean, verse number four, the Bible says, but the Lord. But the Lord. Can I illustrate this to you for just a moment? Some of you have been in this place before. Whenever you are talking to your young person, maybe you're getting on to this young person, and you're saying, hey, you need to be doing this, and you need to go clean your room, and you do this, and that young person does this right here, all right? Mainly it's the girls, all right? That's right, ain't it? It's usually the girls, right? All them, all them mamas with boys are saying, mm-mm. But that young person's looking at you, and they do one of these. You know what I'm talking about? So he does one of those. All right, roll, roll your eyes and, and do it. All right, he turns. You know what that but the Lord moment reminds me of? That mama saying, hold up now, we ain't finished. That's what it reminds me of. That mama saying, get right here. You know, as a kid growing up, there were times whenever, uh, you, you know this, as, as, as times whenever you were growing up, whenever you saw that you were getting in trouble, and you, you, your mama, your daddy might be lighting into you, getting, getting on to you about something, and, and all of a sudden, some person in the church comes and interrupts that conversation. So you do one of these right here. And you just slide away. And you get in the car, and your mom says, you, you thought I forgot? We're not finished with this. Just wait till your daddy gets home. You ever heard that before? You can go be seated. I got in trouble one time. We were in, in my, my stepdad had just been stationed in Georgia. And 
he would come back every once in a while, and I'd gotten in trouble for something. I don't have a clue what I got in trouble for. But I got in trouble for something, and so my mother had taken over the responsibilities of whoopings whenever he was gone. And I remember one time, we, had, we, were, we were raised, we had to put our hands on, on the bed, and we couldn't look back or do one of these things right here. All right? And, and so I was standing there, and my mom whooped me, and I turned around, and I said, is that it? Just like that. I laugh at it now because we all do. Worst decision of my life. My dad, my stepdad got home, and man, I got in trouble. Number one, I got in trouble because I was disrespectful. But then I got in trouble again for disobeying. I was thinking, man, I already got in trouble for disobeying. Just discipline me for being disrespectful. But it was a double whammy. I, I, by, by saying, is that all? He, he basically was saying, you must not have felt it. So he, he gave me a whooping. But this passage of Scripture right here, verse number 4, when it says, but the Lord, it's as though the Lord is saying, hold up, I'm not finished with you yet. Hey, I'm going to get your attention. Just like that, that parent says, hold up, we're not finished with this yet. We will address this here in a few moments. And so in verse number 4, it says, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. And the Bible says at the end of verse number 5 that he was fast asleep. There are some of us as Christians this morning that we found ourselves fast asleep, if you would. The Lord is trying to work in your life and trying to get you to do something. He's pricked your heart. He's convicted you of all of these many things and trying to move you to action, but you found yourself sleeping. This morning, you found yourself sleeping, and as you go and you look and you study, you begin to see that, hey, he's completely disregarding what he's already been told to do. He's disobeying this. He's not even moved by this. He's, he's unmoved, if you would. He's unbothered by all of these things. He's just simply sleeping. Can I share with you, he was told to go and proclaim that judgment was coming, that the people needed to get right. God had told Jonah that, hey, you will be the one who I send to save these people chose not to. Can I share with you, there are many Christians that God has pricked our hearts and said, hey, I want to use you to minister to these people and we've found, been found sleeping. There have been many people that, that God has pricked your heart and, and, and trying to, to work in your life and trying to reveal to you that, hey, He would have for you to go to, to this mission field, but you're found sleeping. Matter of fact, you're not just found sleeping. The picture we have here is that Jonah tells God, no, I'm not doing this, and then goes and sleeps. For me, I'm one, whenever there are things that are busy, in the busy seasons, there are things that are always running through my mind, if you would. Now, whenever I lay my head on my pillow, I can typically fall asleep, but there are times every once in a while, whenever I'm planning something or preparing for something, where I just can't turn that mind off. But can I share with you, there has never been a time in my life where whenever I was fighting against God that I was able to fall asleep easy. When I was unsaved, I'd go to sleep every single night and I would have to, you ever had to do one of those, one, two, three, hoping to get to 100 and hoping you fall asleep before you get to 100? I would constantly do that. I'd get to 100, I'm thinking, man, I'm still, still awake. Every single time. And then whenever I was fighting the call to preach, saying, Lord, I, I, I just don't think so, every single time. Struggling. I was never able just to fall asleep. But we find here in this portion of Scripture that the Bible tells us that but Jonah was gone down to the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. Well, all of a sudden as he's fast asleep, you begin to see that God begins to say that he's going to disturb the sea, if you would. 
All of a sudden, there's a storm that comes by. And as you go and you look and you study, there are some people that say, oh, it probably wasn't that, big, that bad of a storm. No, it was a bad storm. As you go and you read and you study this, notice what the Bible says in verse number 4, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, if you would. The Bible says in verse number 12, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you, if you would. As you continue to read through chapter number 1, you begin to see that this was a great storm. And not only did he disturb the sea, but he began to disturb the sailors, if you would. All of a sudden, they begin to, to, to panic, and they begin to go through. And, and in verse number 6, the Bible says, The shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. They begin to panic, and as they're going through this, and the ship is being disturbed, and the sea, and the ship, and the sailors, and all of them, and all of this is going on, where's Jonah? He's fast asleep. It gives the picture that many Christians are found being told to go, and you could t- just simply go to the Great Commission in Matthew chapter number 28. I mean, you could just go there and you could park there and you say, well, okay, the Lord hasn't called me to go to to this mission field or called me to do this or called me to do that, but He's told you to go. And then where are you? You're found asleep right there, oblivious to everything. Can you imagine for just a moment, not saying God wouldn't have sent someone else, but as I came across this story, and the, the man's name, I guess, Donnie Moore, I wonder if Donnie, if he would have just said, you know what, I'm going to take some days off. And that one particular day he would have taken off. What might have changed? You see, oftentimes we we look at what God is calling us to do or what God would have for us to do as an option. But in this case right here, we're reminded it was a command. It was a command. We find many Christians are just found sleeping. The saddest reality is that there are many Christians that are found sleeping in the church. You see, I'm thankful and I'm grateful and I commend you for being here, but you being here is, just, is not where it stops. You see, matter of fact, there are some who aren't even able to make it to the house of God on a Sunday morning, but on Monday they're going to be out proclaiming the gospel. They're going to be doing the work for whatever the case might be. And so you can look and you can say, well, I showed up on Sunday, but is that it? Well, I showed up on Wednesday too. Is that it? You're you're missing it. It's not about your church attendance. I love whenever you're faithful to the house of God. I believe that's a clear command. I believe you should be in the house of God. But if you are faithful to the house of God, but you're unfaithful in every other aspect of Christianity, then you're missing it. And many times we miss that God wants us to take what we are getting from this book right here, and if you get something from the Lord this morning, to take it out there. Go to Nineveh. A couple of years ago I preached, as you go and you study the Ninevites, and you study Nineveh specifically, it was a dark place, it was a dangerous place. And sometimes God will call you to do the dangerous things. He'll call you to the dangerous places. Sometimes, you know, you look at this portion of Scripture and it would have been a difficult thing. God sometimes calls us to the difficult things. And what a a great joy whenever you rest in Him to go and you begin to see that God does a great work. The first thing we see in chapter number 1 was that He was sleeping. Chapter number 2, notice what the Bible says in verse number 1. Then Jonah prayed. He was found praying. Now, in this passage of Scripture and in this portion of Scripture, he's found praying. It's not as though he's praying in in, in a matter because of something that God has done in a a delightful way. 
if you would. The Bible says in chapter number 2, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of his, the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. But notice what it says, And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, and in the midst of the seas and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and all thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth, with her bars, was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought me up my life from corruption. O Lord, my God. Fast forward, if you would. Verse number 9, the Bible says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that thou I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. This morning, maybe you're not found in the place of, of necessarily sleeping. Maybe you were just there. But God has gotten your attention, and now you're praying. And maybe because of all of the disobedience and all of the, the times in which you disregarded God's calling upon your life or God's dealing with you and He's trying to get you to understand that, hey, there's nothing over here for you. I have something greater for you right here. But you, you find yourself in the middle not giving way to this way or not giving way to this. You're just disobedient, disregarding it. You're not moving forward. And God has gotten your attention. You were sleeping, but now He has awoken you and gotten your attention. And now you're crying out to Him. Maybe your circumstances are so bad and your situation is so, so, so difficult and you're struggling just to make it through. You see, in this portion of Scripture, in the life of Jonah, we begin to see that in verses 1 and 2, he's found crying out. One of the greatest things you can do in difficult times is to cry out to God. The Bible tells us that he heard him. In Jeremiah 33, 3, we already heard this, but it says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. We understand that principle. We understand the the promise there, if you would. But not only that, he he begins to acknowledge God's chastisement. Maybe you found yourself in a a season of chastening, chastening and God's trying to get your attention. And finally, you've called out, and now he's chastening, and you're you're getting it, you're understanding it. What was the purpose of all that? Well, I I don't believe that Jonah found himself in a pleasant condition. I mean, imagine being in a fish. I'm not a I'm not a seafood guy per se. I like shrimp. That's about that's about as far as it'll go for me, and I like it fried most of the time. Whenever we go on vacation, most of Kelly's family laughs at me. I could care less to touch the fish. I don't care. I don't like the smell of it. Don't like the texture of it. Don't like the things flopping around. I don't care. I had to kiss a fish one time, and I was like, I don't, could care less to do that ever again. First time I ever went cast net fishing, and they've told this story. They make fun of me. Uh, you know, seafood was so out of my realm. The first time I ever ate shrimp, I didn't know you were supposed to peel them. Yeah. I'm over here, got a, got a clean napkin, some shrimp over here, and I look around at all these peelings on all these things. I said, What's it, where'd you, what is all this? I said, dude, have you been eating, you been peeling them? I was like, I didn't know I was supposed to. I'm a 16, 17-year-old boy, never eating fish or shrimp in my entire life. You know, I just threw a pile of it in my face and, and expected me to know. You didn't explain it. First bad experience with seafood. Second bad experience with concerning fish. I was cast net fishing. If you've ever been cast net fishing, you put that thing around here, throw it over your shoulder, you let, and you're supposed to let go. 
Again, didn't let me know. So guess what? Them things are weights. I got that thing. I toss that thing. I go with that thing. First, second bad experience. I just bad experience after bad. Experience. We had a boat for a couple of years, and if you've ever been on uh, on boats, when you've got six or seven people on a boat, one of you's not going to get the comfortable spot. Third bad experience: trying to ride in the waves, and you just—I mean, you, you get off that boat and you're like, you know, you, you just walking, you just you hurting. Fourth bad one was the payments we had to pay on that thing. I mean, bad experience across the, I mean, across the, the way from me when it comes. I'm a, I'm a mountain guy, not a beach guy. And my wife's a beach person. She could live at the beach. So can you imagine with me for just a moment, the not pleasant circumstances for Jonah. Not something he would want, not something that he would enjoy if you would. And so he's found praying. But what led him to praying was his disobedience turned into not so pleasurable times in his life. Praise God that he went to the Lord in prayer. The third thing we see is that he was preaching. Chapter number 3, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach it, uh, preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Verse number 3 says, So Jonah arose. Just a few minutes ago, I had Jaden come up here, and I, I grabbed him and said, I'm not finished with you yet. That's the picture we get in chapter number 1, verse number 4, when it says, so the Lord. When you get that right there, it's as though the Lord says, I'm not finished with you. I'm going to get your attention. And God definitely gets Jonah's attention as Jonah was found sleeping, and then he was found uh, praying, and now he's found preaching. Now, as you go and you study and you look at chapter number three, you would you would almost it almost be as though you're finding yourself cheering for Jonah. Picture with me, if you would, one who was away from from doing what was right and you found them coming back and you're cheering for them and you're rooting for them and you're saying, yes, go, go, go. And that's what we would be doing for Jonah right this very moment. Finally, he's been given the second chance and he's going to follow through with that second chance. And the Bible says in verse number one, the second time we see the second chance. The verse number three helps us understand that he was obedient to this second chance. Can I share with you, there have been many that have come, and come back to the Lord, if you would, and have been given a second chance only to disobey again. And then been given a third chance only to disobey again. How many times have we been guilty of that when God is trying to get us to understand that, hey, you might be scared, but I have something for you. Obedience. We see right here that the Bible says, So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Fast forward, if you would, and you begin to see as he cries out in verse number 4, that it says in verse number 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. And you begin to see that as he is preaching, revival breaks out. It's been described as the greatest revival in history. It's been talked about because all of them made that decision. And as you think about that, you would rejoice. You say, oh, he's found preaching. He's doing what he's supposed to. And we do rejoice in that. Nineveh need him to. He was given the second chance and he obeyed. But verse, or chapter number four, we see this. He was pouting. He was pouting. As you go and you read through, the Bible says at the very beginning, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. Can I share with you that I pray that I never get to this place. I pray that you never get to this place. Come here for just a moment.
let's just, for just a moment, act as though this young man is living in, in sin, doing things he shouldn't be doing. He's, he's out of church. He's, his life is, is, is at, at rock bottom, if you would. Let's just imagine that. Jaden, you come over here for just a moment. Let's just say for a few moments that Jaden is attending the church that is praying for this young man. And this young man and Jaden used to be friends. He got out of church. He's at rock bottom. He's attending the church. He has a little bit of bitterness towards him. He doesn't understand why he's doing these things, whatever the case might be. And we begin to pray for him as a church. He's in on this. He's aware of this. Let's just say we're able to reach Jonathan. We reach Jonathan. He comes and he gets right. He, he, he repents. He gets right with the Lord. His, he, he's trying to, to be faithful. He's trying to do what he's supposed to. And everybody says amen. Everybody rejoices. You know what, what we call it is a stank face. You know what a stank face looks like? You, do you have a, you know, do any of you know what a stank face looks like? Are you kidding me? Man, y'all are useless. All right, let me teach you a stank face real quick. Let me show you what a stank face. Sit right here for just a moment. This is what, a, what we would call a, a stank face, if you would. A stank face, and I want you to make this face for us here in this moment. I'm going to teach you something. A stank face is, is that face. Yeah, I mean, no, not trying to look cool. All right, stank face. You're trying to look disgusted. Okay, that's a little better. No, you don't do you don't do any of that. That's that's your no stank face. Go stank face. I need you to be stank face for the rest of the time. No smiling. You gotta displeased. Don't pay them any attention. Displeased, disgusted, frustrated, annoyed. He he's 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 mad. <laughs> he's just too nice. He's just too, he's just too happy. He's just too happy his friend got back in church. Go sit. I'll, I'll do the stank face for you. He's just too happy his friend got back in church. That stank face is like this. Not only is the stank face like that, but that's the same tone, the same, I would say, uh, feeling that he has towards him. He didn't deserve that. Why is everybody saying amen that he's back in church? He should have been in church the whole time. The reason he's out, he got out of church is because he was, he was doing dumb stuff. He shouldn't have been hanging around those people. He shouldn't have been doing those, those things. Why is everybody saying amen that he's back in church? I mean, do, are they just going to forget all of the, the, the stuff that he was doing and all of the, the evil and all of those many things and just because he came and asked for forgiveness? You say, that doesn't go on. Yes, it does. Some of y'all have been in that place where, where you've been the person who had gotten back in church or was doing what you were supposed to and someone came up to you and said, you, you, you know, so you, can't, you can't even, they just look at you and it's, it, it's automatic disgust. What a sad, we see this picture here. The Bible says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my... Did I not say this? Did I not know this? When I was at yet, yet in my country, therefore I fled before Natarshus, for I knew 
that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. He's so, he's so disgusted at what God has just done. You can be seated. So disgusted at what God has done that he, he literally requests, just take my life. He's faced spiritual burnout here. He's faced physical, he's emotionally burnt out, and he, he finds himself just pouting. And as you look at this right here, and you go through the book of Jonah, and we find ourselves at the very beginning of Jonah saying, oh man, Jonah, why didn't you just go? Only to realize, hold up now, I'm the one over here sleeping too. But maybe you continue in the book of Jonah, you say, Jonah, why didn't you just go? Only to realize that maybe you were in that place where you were sleeping and God now brought you out of that because He's chastening you and you've gotten your attention and now you're praying and asking the Lord to, to bring you through and to help you and all those things. And, and maybe the case is that you're preaching and you're, you're obeying or whatever the case might be. But maybe you're in this place of pouting where Nineveh sees a great revival, the people get right, and you're sitting over here saying, it's a big deal. I don't think they deserve it, but whatever. What a sad reality. Can I share with you, none of us deserve it. What a sad place to be. Can I share with you that whenever you find yourself in a place of disgust of what God is doing for the good, you're not hurting others, you're hurting yourself. When you find yourself saying, God, why would you? You're not hurting others. As a matter of fact, you're breaking others' hearts, but you're hurting yourself. It's something that you should be coming to and you should be saying, Lord, what in the world has happened? Well, why am I like this? Lord, why am I so, so pouty? Why, Lord, why am I mad that you're blessing others? Never get to that place. Never get to that place. I've seen it happen so many times whenever we find ourselves in the work of the Lord, but neglecting the, the Lord of the work. You say, I serve God. Have you spent time with God, though? How many times have we found ourselves busy about the Lord's business, but spending very little time with Him alone? And we get so caught up and we get so busy and we get so going, going, going. Why? It's not because we're trying to please our Father oftentimes. It's because we want everyone else to see. Can I share with you, if you are a blessing to someone and you have to let everyone else know that you are blessing that person, you've taken the blessing from, from you've taken it. You've taken all the praise and you've taken all of the honor. You've taken God's glory and allowing you to be a blessing. So, you know, the same goes, if someone's trying to be a blessing to you, let them be a blessing. You know what? I was raised... That was called being a blessing blocker if you wouldn't let someone be a blessing to you. You say, well, well I, it's pride. That's all it is. You say, I, just, I can do it. No, they want to be a blessing. Let them be a blessing to you. Don't let that pride creep up. You see in this passage of Scripture right here, verse number, four, or verse number one, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. Now, we're going to get into heavy study in the book of Jonah in the near future. I've been studying this book of the Bible since about May and walking through and just writing thing after thing after thing and there's so much there. But can I ask you this question this morning and I'll close with this. Chapter 1, he's sleeping. Chapter number 2, he's praying. Chapter number 4, I mean chapter number 3, he is uh, preaching and chapter number 4, he's pouting. This morning, you might be sleeping. You're just oblivious. You are trying to run from what God is telling you to do. Chapter number two, you find that there's no way of running from God, and now you find yourself just miserable. So you're praying to Him. 
Chapter number 3, and maybe you found yourself in the first two and God has brought you through that and now you're proclaiming what God has called you to do. Chapter number 4, maybe you're someone who is on the outside seeing all of the many blessings of what God is doing and you found yourself pouting about it. Miserable because God's blessing. Miserable because God's working. Could I encourage you, once again, as you are being honest with yourself, the choice is yours. Go or say no. I imagine... There are many people like Robert in this world. People who are rough. People who are, I mean, just hardcore. People who that you, you know, you'd be afraid walking into their presence. But I'm so thankful, even more thankful now that I've watched this documentary, that this missionary still went into that prison. He still went into that prison. People being shot, people being stabbed. All of these many things. A man by the name of Donnie Moore, I believe is what his name was, walked into the prison and said, you know what? They're still worthy. They still need me to go and proclaim the gospel. They need the grace of God. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Listen, I've been in the place of sleeping where I was running from God. I've been in the place where I was praying because my life was so miserable because I wasn't letting the Lord truly work. And by the grace of God, He's allowed me to stand before you this morning and I'm in a place of preaching where I have the opportunity every single week to proclaim the Word of God. But God help me and God help us if we ever get to the place where we begin to pout because God is working somewhere else or in someone else's life. You see, pastors and preachers and churches are still guilty of this too. When a revival is taking place and another church experiences 14 or 15 people getting saved, but you, you're looking at your church and you say, oh, no one got saved in our church this week. Uh, I bet they didn't really get saved. Uh, is God really working or is it all? Be careful, listen. You're not hurting them. You're hurting yourself. May we find ourselves, there's such a sweet spirit in our church right now, but may we be careful of allowing anything like that to creep in. The last two weeks, God has impressed these two messages because as a church grows and as God is working, the devil begins to fight. A couple of years ago, I said I'll close with this. I'll close with this. A couple of years ago, uh, an evangelist was talking to me. He was a preacher that was visiting here, and he said, listen, he said, no, a couple of years ago, our church wasn't growing at that, that, that point in time. and we, we had just started. It was a smaller church. He says, listen, when, when, when the church begins to grow, he said, you're going to have to preach on three things. And I said, well, what are those three things? And I told Brother Terry, I'm going to be preaching on these at some point in time. But he says, you're going to have to preach on stewardship at one point in time. He said, not financial stewardship. He said, stewardship of life. He said, everyone needs to understand that they need to be all in on what God has for them. He said, the other thing you're going to have to speak on is, is serving the Lord. He said, make sure that everyone understands that serving the Lord isn't just for some of those people, it's for everybody. And he said the, the final thing, and this is where we find the pouting and the, the, the bitter spirits and the, 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 you know, we have such a sweet spirit, but Satan trying to work overtime. He said the third thing you'll have to work on is the gossip. Talking. The, 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 the bitter spirits, the, the anger, the, those types. And he said those three things you will have to touch on. Because as a church grows, so also grows the personalities. 
as you think about all of these many things in the book of Jonah, as you think about what he's facing and what he's going through, that pouting and that bitter spirit that is there, we look at other churches or we look at other ministries or you look at other Christians or you look at each other, you begin to criticize. It's a dangerous thing. And I cannot stress it enough. You're not hurting them. You're hurting yourself. Are you sleeping? Are you praying? Are you preaching? Or are you pouting? Where are you at this morning? Be honest with yourself. You're not full, you might fool man, but you're not fooling God. I've had to be honest with myself about this. And listen, there have been times when I've been sleeping. There have been times when I've been praying. There have been times when I've been preaching. And there have been times when I was pouting. May we be honest with ourselves this morning. God, reveal our hearts and make it known. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness this morning. I pray that you'd help us. Lord, as we dive deeper into this passage of Scripture and this book of the Bible in the near future, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, as we lay a foundation of these four chapters and what's going on, Lord, there's no doubt we're found in one of these. So, Lord, I do pray that you'd help us. Lord, be with the one who is struggling. And I pray that you'd strengthen them, help them. Lord, every single one of us this morning needs you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, guide us, and direct us. Pray that you be this invitation, Lord, that we would be able to see you for who you are and what you've done. We'd spend some time in prayer with you. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.